Uh, welcome everyone to our 15th podcast of Renew Your Mind. With us today is Senior Pastor Paul Gruenberg and our youth and family pastor Jordan Chambers and myself Dana Hall as the moderator. Um, at our last podcast, uh, we talked about how we're going through, we're going to speak through a series of the origins of Methodism and where we ended up was speaking about John Wesley and um, we were at the point in his life where he was looking for assurance of his faith and he was looking for some sort of experience um, that to assure, to assure his salvation. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's going to bring us to, um, I guess, what did this, that bring us to? Um, and I'll hand it over to Pastor Paul. So if we remember back to our last broadcast or podcast, we talked about the Holy Club, uh, this group in Oxford where John and Charles and a couple other guys gathered together because they were serious about God and they wanted to be closer to God. And yet his experience in England or in Georgia, in his mind, was an utter failure. And in the midst of that, he experienced uh, doubt about his salvation. And meeting the Moravians, the Moravians talked about there being an assurance of salvation, but it would be some type of experience that he would have that would assure him of his salvation. And so he was going to a group on Aldersgate, and that group began reading from, of all things, Luther's Introduction to Romans. And as the reading took place, there was a passage, and I don't recall what the passage, but John Wesley sa said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. And he saw that as the experience he needed to have to reassure him of his salvation. And it, it changed his life. It gave him, it moved him from someone who doubted to someone who is assured. Mm-hmm. And you know what that looks like. You see your children, and they uh, you want them to try something. Maybe it's uh, baseball. You can stand in the box, or maybe you're playing catch. Just put your mitt out there. You can catch it, and it, you know the ball comes, and the child shies away from it, and they've got no assurance that they can even catch the ball, let alone throw it or, or bat the ball. Mm -hmm. And as they become more assured of it, they become more confident in, them, in themselves. And so Wesley became more confident in himself. Now, one of the interesting things about Wesley in this holy club that began at Oxford, as a Anglican priest, he saw that the Anglican church had become a dead sect. It, it had no power. And he wanted to begin to bring renewal to the Anglican church. And one of the things he did was form classes. Jordan, what are classes? Uh, there are groups of <clears throat> um, groups of about 10 or 12 or you know somewhere around that kind of a field number um, of people that were designed to educate each other. Uh, usually there was a leader. Um, but the, the group was really designed to uh, use each other as a stepladder 
to increase in faith. So uh, there would be some personal things you discuss. Uh, there'd be scripture that you uh, go through. And uh, again, a lot of the discussion happened about parts of your life before you came to the meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have outside my office a list of the rules that, um, the, or a list of the questions that the Holy Club used. And I think there's like 22 of them. And they have these really deep and personal questions like, uh, does your dress, and this is guys asking each other back then, does your dress glorify God today? Um, how has your prayer life impacted you uh, mm-hmm. this week? Really interesting, deep questions that demand more than just a yes or a no response. Right. And so these classes, uh, they would they would help you grow in faith, help you dedicate your personal time to um, to devotion of God, and and help you study God's word and develop it in your own life. And that was really a, a big step back then when a lot of your church life was supposed to be private. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was very encouraged, especially in the Anglican church, it was very encouraged that you come to church, you participate, you go home. And um, that that's not the concept of the classes. That was the exact opposite. They said, you know, your home life should be just as worshipful and more churchy than Sundays even, you know. Mm-hmm. So so has anything changed? <laughs> I mean, culture has changed a lot, and uh, there's still this demand that, you know, keep your faith to yourself. Yeah. It's still present today. Um, there's been moments of revival throughout history between then, but I think as a generic culture, that presence still remains that there's a lot of people that don't want to hear it and they're okay with you being religious or whatever, but don't bring that to me. I don't want to hear it. I don't want those kind of things. Uh, so they, they would rather you live your life privately. You know, I, I have an atheist friend that I've talked to, um, and he's mentioned one of the big reasons why he's against uh, children learning religious things in school is because that's stuff that belongs at home. That mm. doesn't belong in public. And I'm like, well, actually, yeah. <laughs> that's how do you learn about it? The exact opposite <laughs> of what I think. That belongs everywhere and more so in public, according to Christ. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no, back to classes. Classes were designed uh, for groups of people. Uh, no matter who you were, you could come to this group as a Christian and grow. That was really right. the big emphasis. Right. Um, I remember. Classes. I remember a professor, someone saying, maybe it was some, again something I read in seminary that said the way to get into a class, the way, the what's the the thing you had to meet in order to get into one of the classes, you had to fear the wrath of God, mm. and w- once you had that fear of the wrath of God. Thinking back now, that sets you up for a willingness to learn. Mm-hmm. And these class meetings were very much like our small groups today, uh, people gathering together to grow in their faith, uh, to grow alongside other people or with other people. And what's really interesting about the classes is you would think that they were enough, I mean, that's what a lot of churches have today, especially churches that are growing. One of the distinctives of growing churches is they have these small groups uh, that Wesley called classes. 
I like to think that classes started with, uh, or small groups started with Wesley. Wesley called them the little church in the big church. Mm -hmm. And so it was within the little church that you got ministered to. And, and, you know, so these, these group leaders, these class leaders were people, they weren't clergy, but they were people who were interested in the things of God and they were interested in helping others to grow in their relationship with God. But then Wesley took it to another level, and that level was called bands, B-A-N-D-S, bands. And I think some of the questions that Jordan uh, referenced to the classes were even more distinctive in the bands. Uh, The first question that you would ask, and these were smaller groups, and they were either made up of men or made up of women. You didn't have uh, mixed genders in any of the groups, and usually four, maybe five people in a band. And the first question they would ask each other is, how is it with your soul? And so this was going to what I would say the, the next level of commitment to God in having people ask the very intimate questions uh, where have you sinned this week? Where have you thought of sinning this week? Having a time of confession with one another. James talks about confessing our sins to one another. And Wesley obviously took that seriously and said, you know, if we want to grow, if we want to be holy, and there's another word for that, sanctification, it's a process um, but if you want to be holy or sanctified, you have to ask these, these important questions, which then moves us from a private faith to a more, at least a larger public faith, you know, with four or five other people. Mm-hmm. Imagine yourself sitting with four ladies or four guys and being asked, so how is it with your soul? And you can say, you know. This is the typical greeting in the hall. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> Everything's good. And yet this group is not going to be satisfied with everything's good. Yeah. How is it with your soul? So, you know, when you think one of the questions, and you know the questions, one of the questions coming up is, where did you fall short this week? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and an honest answer has to include something because... I highly doubt that there's a whole lot of people that can make it a week without falling short. You know, <laughs> if you're honest and you're, you know, you're willing to be honest in front of other people, then right. you have to say something because, yeah. you know, you can't just be like, "No, I was perfect this week." <laughs> yeah, that's why the when uh, David Watson talked about the bands, I was intrigued because you can't really say, oh, yeah, it's great. Because, <laughs> I mean, you can't be perfect, <laughs> cannot be perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, and to say out loud where you sinned or where you thought about sinning, uh, that pretty much bears your soul. So, <laughs> When I was growing up, we were, um, as teenagers, we were taught this concept. Mm-hmm. Only we weren't taught to do it in groups. We were taught to do it with one other person. And mm-hmm. especially someone who's older than you, if possible. And we called them accountability partners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was a verse in Proverbs that was uh, heavily referenced that says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so another man's count is, you know, sharpens another. And uh, the concept is uh, we were often reminded of this picture of uh, iron sharpening iron. You, you take 
a knife and you sharpen it against another piece of metal and there's sparks flying, there's heat growing, mm-hmm. and yet mm-hmm. there is a process of precision and sharpening. Mm-hmm. And so it's not always comfortable. It's often heated. It's, there's sparks that fly, and yet the overall process grows you, makes you better, makes you sharper, makes you um, better at what you're supposed to do, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and honestly, in my experience, if you find the right person or the right people to be accountability partners with, you don't have a problem telling them mm-hmm. the things that you did wrong. You Sometimes you even wish they were there in the moment so you could so you talk could to them right them. there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's a healthy relationship if it's built properly to have for Christians. And I think that I, I personally, it's not really discussed in, in Scripture, but I personally believe that this is a type of relationship the disciples had um, right. with each other and with Christ. Um, that, you know, they would go to each other. Uh, they would talk, you know, I know Paul and Peter, they had certain things that they built up each other on, and then Paul called them out. And they mm-hmm. weren't afraid to do that, even though they were the, the big wigs. Um, mm-hmm. Right, right. You know. it's, it's amazing uh, when I think back after I had made a more adult commitment to Christ, maybe my Aldersgate, where I knew that I was committing everything that I had, my, my present and my future, uh, to Christ. And after that happened, there were three other guys. Uh, two would be roommates. One was a friend from uh, where I had come from, uh, from high school, who moved down into the area, and we would have uh, a Bible study. But it was just the four of us. And one of the most interesting things, especially for me, who is new to, not new, but who is now committed to be with three other guys and to talk about, I I think our first study was on Philippians, and to just go through a booklet and to talk about the questions that were already there. But it was the other conversations that we had that weren't, you know, Bible study questions mm-hmm. that would sharpen us. You know, I saw these guys uh, growing in their relationship with God, and I wanted to be there. Uh, I think uh, two of the guys were, one guy was way down the road from me. I mean, he was he just loved God and had been serving God for years and years and years. And here I am feeling like a, a kid in diapers, you know, just learning to walk. And wanting to be more in tune with where they were with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about our church or today's environment, what do you think might be the things or the barriers that keep us from becoming a part of a class, you know, a larger class study group where we're growing in Christ, we're learning about what the Bible has to say? And then what are the barriers to be to becoming a part of a band, a smaller group where it's much more intimate, where I think Jordan used the, the best word, accountability, mm-hmm. where you can have some accountability in your relationship with Christ. What do you think some of the barriers are that people encounter to being in a class or then be in a band? I think, uh, like a lot of people, I think, We'll use the word time commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what most people use today. And 
be it good or bad, we're all busy. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the first thing I, that comes to my mind. Yeah, time commitment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see raising kids. I mean, I was there. We were toting some kids around playing hockey and, and doing some other things so that they could grow. Uh, so time commitment certainly can be a barrier. Jordan, anything come to mind for you? You know, I think as we've grown in technology over the last few decades, especially, we as a people have gotten very standoffish and less personal. Mm. And I think that that has resulted in a much more individual mindset. Mm -hmm. I think people today have a harder time coming together, talking to new people. Um, It's there's more intimidation. There's more pressure against you to be in a group where you don't know everybody and what's going to happen, what you're going to talk about and those kinds of things. I think that's really developed a lot. And, and I think that's intimidation can be a pretty big factor uh, you know, if someone says we're going to have a Bible study group and, uh, you know, we're going to do it on the book of whatever, and you don't know who's going to be in it, mm-hmm. you haven't mm-hmm. read that book very much, you're going to feel, oh, I'm not really qualified. I don't know anybody there. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, I don't know if right. I'm going to go. You know, that's very common. And I think part of that's just because we have the people have avoided personal interaction in so many ways. <laughs> And we're getting so used to it and really addicted to uh, just relying on our own selves and knowledge instead yeah. of, uh, you know, instead of grouping up and talking to people and meeting new people mm-hmm. and doing new things. Yeah, I would agree with that. And YouTube nowadays, and uh, there's a Right Now Media, which is like a Netflix of Bible studies. You can go to those and you can learn, but you don't have to do it with anyone. You know, you see people walking around or people looking at their phone like they're watching something. They could be doing a Bible study. You'd never know it, though. Mm-hmm. And they would they would sense in themselves, hey, I'm growing in Christ. Why do I need to be a part of a group? Mm-hmm. But the reality is that I think iron sharpens iron um, concept is so important that God intended, that Jesus intended with the disciples to give us a model on how we can grow in our faith. Mm-hmm. And then even within the 12 disciples, there were uh, maybe uh, either three or four smaller groups. Andrew, Peter, James, and John were considered the inner group. And I'm guessing that those two sets of brothers had some really downright important conversations either before or after Christ rose from the dead. What are we going to do? You know, and all of a sudden they're forced into... You know, there's some accountability with each other. Christ is gone, mm-hmm. although they have the Holy Spirit now, and they have to be accountable to someone. And in a church, we all want the pastor to be in our group or someone who's quote unquote educated or qualified. But the reality is, again, going back to Wesley's example, the classes had leaders who were not clergy people, but were people who were interested in helping others to grow in their relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess to close out, after David Watson was here for the first night, a couple came up to me and said, hey, we're interested in in doing that kind of class leader type of thing. We don't necessarily feel like we could facilitate the group, but we could certainly host it in our heart's desires that other people would grow. And and you know, on on that note too, but also with, to go back to what Danny said about uh, being busy, 
mm-hmm. one aspect of John Wesley. We we talk a lot, especially in Methodism, talk a lot about the positives of John Wesley, but there was actually one glaring negative aspect of his life, mm-hmm. and that was his marriage. Mm-hmm. His wife and him had a terrible relationship, mostly due to his lack of commitment to his personal relationship with his wife uh, yeah. and his great commitment to those outside of his marriage. Mm-hmm. Right. He was a great minister, great evangelist. Uh, you know, he taught, he served, he would walk through streets serving uh, people on the street, but he was rarely at home with his wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that hurt her. And, uh, you know, Paul talks about this a little bit in First Corinthians, that if you are married, you're not going to be able to do as much that you maybe want to in ministry because mm-hmm. you've got some new responsibilities now and you need to take care of those things. And so when we talk about small groups and families mm-hmm. and, and things like that, it is important that we cater to marriages and families and build right. them up, not tear them down. Ministry is excellent. Ministry is needed, but not at the cost of our relationships with them, especially our, our most intimate. And especially when you talk about accountability, mm-hmm. you and your spouse should be the most accountable people to each other right. than anyone else. And if you don't have that relationship, it's going to be really hard to fulfill that in other people. Mm-hmm. And it's almost cheating if you do. Right. And it's very easy to not put your attention there so that you can help other yeah. people and other, you know, different. I I love being part of small groups. And just a few years ago, I was in quite a few of them. And my wife came to me at one point and said, you know, you're, you're gone every single night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're always with these people, but you're rarely at home. And I need you to be home more. And so I had to choose to give up some of those small groups mm-hmm. so that I could be home more. And I loved being a part of them. They were healthy for me. Um, but, you know, it, it can be very easy, especially once you get into the positive nature of, of learning and, and being a part of this. And you get kudos when you're learning. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. people pat you on the back. Yeah. Hey, you're really doing some great stuff for the church. Yeah. Yeah. Where's, how's your wife doing? <laughs> what are your kids' names? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, part of it, uh, part of it is we have to be committed to at least one group of people at some level yeah. if we're sure. going to experience some type of growth in our life. And, you know, again, that's one of those moments in your life where you have to make a decision. And then you work it out with the family how that's going to look. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah. And make sure everyone in the family gets to participate you know, if you are in five small groups and your wife is in none, that's a pretty imbalanced, right. non-healthy situation. You know, give some up so that she can do some of that or, or right. vice versa. If you are in three different ladies' Bible studies and your husband's at home every single day, you know, watching TV each night without any kind of uh, spiritual interaction with others, well, then that's not good for him. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, and you should be willing and able to to approach that with your spouse if need sure. be. And that segues greatly into our Wednesday night program, doesn't it? Oh, it does. <laughs> an, an opportunity for both the kids and the adults to be in some type of a small group yeah. at our church. From For us, it begins around 6 o'clock. Mm-hmm. There's some playtime and then prayer. And at 6.30, we have a couple of adult groups right now, hopefully more in the future. And then we have a kids ministry that helps the kids to grow in their faith and have and have fun too. Sure. Well, that's great. Well, thank you, both of you. Um, I think we'll call that a wrap for this session. 
And um, again, we're with the First United Methodist Church. We're located on 215 South Center Street. Um, if you need to reach uh, either the pastors or anyone at the church, we our phone number is 989-732-5380. Thanks for joining us.